0: How's everybody doing? Yeah? You guys lively? Anybody asleep? Nobody's asleep? That's good. All right, good. Um, Okay, so um, last week we kind of opened up with a story about Gideon. We're going to kind of continue in on that. So if you missed any of the things that we've been talking about, um, you'll have to go back to last week. Um, But question today, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever had those days where um, things did not add up. Anybody ever had one of those days where it's like, ah, it's just not, it's not going my way. Something's off a little bit. I'm a little off kilter. The situation's off kilter. I'm not really figuring it out. Um, I've had many days like that. Uh, it seems like more and more as I get older, I'm like, man, this day's not working out how I hoped it would. Um, but I, I remember when I turned um, around the time when I was turning 30, uh, we, we, it was after church, and we lived out in Arizona, and I remember um, the friend of mine that I talked about last week was a realtor friend. Um, I was doing youth group and working with the youth, and he's like, Matt, he's like, so I, I got this free um, ping pong table, Right, and anytime when you're working with teenagers and you hear about something free, you're like, "Let's go do this," right? And he's like, "So we just got to go up the mountain. We're gonna hop in the truck and we'll go up there, and grab a few guys, and we'll go get this ping pong table." So we go up to the top of this mountain. We go into this house. There's a contractor there. We go inside, and uh, he, you know, there's no ping pong table in this house. Okay, and he starts like getting kind of frustrated. He's trying to talk to the contractor. The contractor's like, "There's not been a ping pong table since I've been working here," right? And I'm like, okay, I'm a little confused as to what's going on. I'm like, can we call somebody? So he calls a couple people, but he doesn't seem like he's that worked up. My friend doesn't. And I'm kind of worked up. I'm like, can we get this ping pong table that we said was there for the youth? Let's go. And uh, no, there's no way. It's just impossible. Let's just go back down the mountain. So I go back down the mountain and uh, get, get in my car, and then go back to my own house. I walk in my door, and when I walk in my door, a bunch of people are in there, and everybody goes, surprise, right? And it was a birthday party that my wife was hosting for me, um, and it was hilarious, uh, and awkward, and confusing, but I was like, okay, this all makes sense, why we just spent an hour trying to find a ping pong table that did not exist, right? <laughs> Did we ever get a ping-pong table? No, we never got a ping-pong table. It's really sad. Those poor kids out in Arizona, they don't have ping-pong tables. Um, uh, But that was a fun surprise, right? Like, that was good. I was good with it. It added up. It made sense. Okay. Um, uh, Last Sunday, I'm on the way to church, okay? I have to preach this message about Gideon, and I'm, like, excited about it. Get in the car. Get on the highway. Everybody knows I-4. It's kind of crazy. I get on the highway, and all of a sudden, I see my battery light turn on, right? Right? Uh, on my car, and I'm like, so I have the mentality, when you see a light come on your vehicle, pretend like it's not there, okay? (laughs) Just drive a little bit quicker, it'll probably go away, right? Anybody else like that? It's like, oh, look at those lights, that's cool, that's pretty, you know, it's like Christmas. Drive a little bit quicker, well, what was cool about that is you get going quicker and more lights come on, all the lights are on my dashboard, and I'm still going as fast as I can until my car just decides you're done, and I have to pull over to the side hey, uh, Ruthie, can you come pick me up? Uh, I'm embarrassingly on the side of I-4 right now, right? So she was just pulling in, comes back and picks me up. That was an unfortunate turn of events. That was something that did not add up and it was not a very good surprise. But I would say most people in here, we all enjoy predictability. Wouldn't you say? Like we enjoy predictability. We enjoy sitting on a chair and it holds us up. Uh, We enjoy that the time is accurate when we're looking at it. Uh, We don't like unpredictability. And last week, we opened up with that story about Gideon when he was hiding, right? We all said that he was hiding in a wine press. And I would say that this was one of the lowest points in his life. It was one of the lowest points that he had ever experienced. And while Gideon was hiding from the Midianites, if you remember, there was this angelic type being that visited him in this low place in his life and said to him that he was a mighty warrior, right? Gideon... Responded, which I think it was an appropriate response, but he said, sir, I am the weakest guy you've ever met. Like I am super weak. My family's weak. I'm anything but a mighty warrior. Um, Gideon, Gideon was hiding, which is the opposite than fighting. So I think he was thinking, maybe you got the wrong guy. Maybe you got the wrong person. And you know, we all do this, don't we? right? God, I'm not the right person for the job, right? Um, I was here by accident. I'm not better than anyone else. We, we hate those moments. We hate it when we can tell that something isn't adding up. But what I can tell you is God loves those opportunities. He loves it when he can make up the difference for our lack of. Basically, impossible plus God equals possible, Impossible plus God equals possible. This, this story that we're gonna continue on through has so many scenarios, it, it would take me forever, but we, I'm gonna try and break it down just to finish up today. Um, but where things didn't add up, right? Today, I wanna give eight moments where I believe the math did not add up. Okay, so we're gonna start back where we left off. It's in Judges six sixteen. It says, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So, the first thing I see in this story that did not add up is one man against 135,000. Okay, one man, that's how many people were in the Midianites. You guys know that they counted up the Midianites, and I believe they got to 135,000. It was probably the same guy that got to the 135,000. Then they said, can you count the camels? And he's like, one, two, like, let's just say it's as many as the seashore, right? Like, let's not count all over again, 135,000 was enough. So they never got the accurate count of the camels, but the people, they did. So how many of you have felt like God told you something or you had a dream about something, but you know the work that comes along with it, right? Like, you know the task at hand, and you maybe wanted to blame it on the Chinese food that you ate the night before, right? Um, I remember... When uh, my wife and I first got married, we were living out in Tulsa. We were still going to college and uh, I needed a job because usually when you get married, you need a job, okay? It's just kind of how it works. Just to let you know if you're not there yet, you need to get a job. And so I knew I needed to get a job. I was applying all over the place, but my schedule was limited, right? Like I had made my hours just a few hours each day. Um, And so I had heard that the Doubletree was hiring. Anybody knows the Doubletree? They give out cookies at the front. It's really great. If you haven't been there, okay, just, we're not sponsored by them, but just to let you know. Um, So I went there to go apply. And the hours that I gave them, uh, I, I sat down with this lady named Beth. She had blonde, straight hair. And she told me, are these the hours that you're, that you're giving me? And I said, that's all I can do right now. And she's like, okay, well, we'll give you a call. Well, I didn't get a call and I was a little bit nervous about it. And so I went and talked to a friend. I'm like, hey, what should I do? He said, you should open up your hours. I was like, how about I pray about that, okay? I'm just going to think about it. I don't really want to open up my hours. I want to pray about it. So I went to sleep that night, and I had a dream that I went back to the Doubletree, okay? And I went back there, and in the dream, I got hired on the spot, okay? But the problem with the dream is this lady that was in the dream had really poofy, curly hair, like poofy, (laughs) like huge curly hair, right? And I was like, well, I don't know. So I woke up and I, I said to my wife, I think I'm supposed to go back to DoubleTree. You guys know how, you, when you're dream, you just kind of kind of shout it out, right? And then I went oh, like right back to sleep, okay. And then woke up the next morning. She goes, so are you going to go back to DoubleTree? I was like, I don't know. Why are you telling me I need to go back? She's like, well, you woke up and said you needed to go back to DoubleTree. So what's the deal? I was like, oh, so I had this dream, but I went back and I got hired on the spot. But the lady had really poofy hair, so I don't think that's the place. I don't know, right? wasn't adding up. Okay. It wasn't adding up. And so I went back to the double tree. I went to the one lady. I said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to open up my hours. And she's like, okay. She goes, we'll take you to the next level. So she takes me upstairs and I walk into this room and there's this lady, uh, her name is Gina from Jersey. Right. And she had super poofy hair, (laughs) like curly, crazy. I mean, some of the poofiest hair I've ever seen. Right. And I look at her and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get hired. I'm gonna get the job. <laughs> and so she walks me outside and she's like, are you ready to start? And I'm like, I can start tomorrow. So uh, started at Double DoubleTree. Um, but things didn't add up uh, to me, right? before I went. Um, Gideon, verse 17, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it really is the Lord speaking to me. How many of you guys need signs before you make big decisions, right? Gideon had honest doubts and said, I'm going to need a sign. You have to know that this angelic being was glowing, right? He, uh, I mean, he's saying, I need a sign. And the angel is like, can you see the sign here? Like, <laughs> Like, this isn't enough for you, right? But he's like, ah, I, I need, I need some, something else. So let's go back to verse 18. It says, don't go away until I come back and bring an offering to you. He answered, this is Gideon talking, and then I will stay here until you return. is what the angel said. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat with a, uh, with a basket of flour and baked some bread without yeast. Right? So basically he can thresh wheat and he can cook some really good mutton. But let's continue. Then carrying the meat and the basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff In his hand, and the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was an angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And then it says, The Lord replied, It is all right. Do not be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Orphra in the land of the clan of Abizar to this day. So the second thing I see that does not add up here is he didn't die like he thought he was going to, but he received peace right? Gideon was about to do something impossible, and he needed God's peace. My question for you today, for us today, is what seems impossible to you that you might be needing peace for right now? Maybe it could be the bills have added up, and they just keep coming and keep coming. Maybe it could be a strained relationship, right? Maybe you're, you're going through something, and there's distance between you and whoever, Um, maybe it could be that you've really messed up and you're not sure that God's going to forgive you. You're really not sure that the road ahead looks like only bad things are gonna come. It kind of reminds me of uh, the story of Peter. You guys remember Peter when they caught the huge um, load of fish and Peter realized that it was the Lord, right? He realized it was the Lord and he got down on his knees and he said, said, get away from me. He said, depart from me for I am a sinner. And and Jesus responded back. He said, be at peace. And so that's my encouragement to you today. You might be overwhelmed. You might be at a place where you're not really sure and things aren't adding up, but the Lord says, be at peace at peace. Don't be afraid. Verse 25. It says that night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one with the set that is seven years old, pull down your father's altar to pay to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, lay, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering to the altar, using a fuel, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants, and did as the Lord commanded him. But he did it at night. Classic Gideon, right? Did it? He he went at night because he was afraid. Of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town, early the um, early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. and their place, a new altar had been built, and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, "Who did this?" right and after asking around and making careful a, a careful search they learned that it was Gideon the son of Joash bring out your son the men of the town demanded of Joash he must die for destroying the altar of Baal and cut for cutting it down the Asherah pole so basically they began to just worship other gods and Baal was one of those gods that they were worshipping and that was this whole the whole story behind it but Joash shouted out to the mo- man or the mob and confronted him why are you defending Baal will you argue his case Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by mourning. If Baal truly is God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubbaal, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. So Jerubbaal, Right? Uh, means let Baal contend with himself. It means a contender of Baal, and it also means a challenger of Baal. The third thing I see that does not add up is Gideon got a new name. He received a new name. Gideon, if y'all don't realize, he was afraid of his own shadow, okay? Gideon was afraid of everything. And here he gets a new name. First, uh, the the angel calls him a mighty warrior. Then the townspeople call him a challenger of Baal, okay? Meanwhile, he's just afraid of everything. Uh, Verse 33, it says, soon after the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan camping in the valley of Jezreel, Then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. So the the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms. And then the men of the clan of Abizar came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali. Those are all difficult words to say. Summoning the warriors and all of them responded. So the things that didn't add up, the fourth thing that I can see is that he blew one horn and 32,000 men show up. Okay, let me, uh, I wanna kinda give you like, this is similar to a horn, right? Everybody knows what this is? Is this a bike something, right? Uh, I just used it because I want you to find out how ridiculous it is, okay? This is what he did, he went like this. And 32,000 men show up, okay? Something's not adding up, okay? Maybe they were rounding up, I'm not sure. But he blows one horn and summons 32,000 men Gideon is still decent at math though, y'all. He sees these 32,000 men and he started counting again. And even after the new name, he's like, you know what? This math doesn't add up. It's 135,000 against 32,000, which is a four to one odds. If you're wondering what the odds is, that means one Israelite would have to defeat four and not a single Israelite could die in the process, okay? So he decides I'm gonna test God again. I'm going to test God because I'm not seeing what I want to see. So then Gideon said to God, if you truly are going to use me, this is verse 36, "Uh, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way, I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. Okay, if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me and rescue Israel as you've promised. So he's testing God here once again. And he says, and that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early in the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung the whole bowl fill of water. So he squeezed it out and it was enough to fill up a bowl of water, right? Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request, please. Let me use the fleece one more For one more test, that this time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is going to be wet with dew so that at that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning but the ground was covered with dew. All right, so once Gideon could see that there was dew here and that there was dew over here, he knew the enemy was in big (laughs) doo-doo. Right? Where's Bob at? I need to eye contact with Bob, right? He's my safe. Do you guys need me to repeat that? Once there was due here and there was due here, he knew the enemy was in big doo-doo. What this showed me is that it is okay to doubt God sometimes, y'all. It's sometimes okay, like it's okay to be honest with God. God, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. I'm not excited about what you're seeing. I'm seeing danger all around. The numbers aren't adding up. You can have a conversation. You can doubt. You can be upset. Let's continue. Judges 7. So basically, let me let me clear it up before we go to Judges seven. But Gideon had three different tests, right? He had the an, or he had the or signs. He had the angel that showed up. He had uh, a uh, very crispy mutton uh, goat, right? And then he had dew. All right, so ver- uh, chapter 7, so Jerebball, right, which is his new name, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves with their own strength strength. Uh, Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So two-thirds of the men that were there were terrified. Why? Because they could see that the odds were against them. Most people avoid scary things. Wouldn't you be honest? Like most people, when you see something or you're afraid of something, you kind of dodge it. That's why you see so many people with their headphones in when they're walking through the stores. They don't want to see anybody. They're trying to avoid things, right? Which I can do sometimes too. Um, But I've learned that sometimes in life, when you find something that you're afraid of or you're adverse towards, that you move towards that thing, that you actually do the thing or move towards the thing that you're most afraid of. Uh, For me, it's the stage, right? For me, it's in front of people. For me, it's the crowd. And God has a funny sense of humor, doesn't he? Right? Like I remember um, in eighth grade, um, there was this school dance that uh, I was a part of. I was a part of a private school in eighth grade. And they had this school dance. And two things I don't like is I don't like dancing in front of people at all. I don't like really dancing, much less dancing in front of people, Um, but also on a stage, okay? So we did this whole practice. I told them, I was like, I don't really want to do this, and they made me do it, and it was through all through the the years, 50s, 60s, 70s, and we're having to do all these dances. So I got up there, okay, on the stage. My parents are in the crowd. Thank God they didn't have video cameras, and I'm having to dance, and I'm like this, right? Just like, yay, right? (laughs) Doing all these things that everybody else is excited to do, but I'm not very excited to do it. I hate it. I hate dancing in front of people and doing all the things. 11th grade, I went to school every single day getting sick to my stomach because of anxiety, because I was worried about everything that everybody worries about. But I found that the best place for people to do is when you're afraid of something, you move towards that thing, right? You don't shy back. Um, when you face your fears, you'll find that most things aren't as scary as you think. The fifth thing that didn't add up, right? Things that didn't add up is less is better. So first there was 135,000 Midianites against 32,000. That's four to one odds. Then there's 135,000 against now 10,000. So that means there's 13.5 Midianites against one Israelite. That means you have to like hurt 13 and then get like one guy in the leg basically, right? In order to continue on. Now 10,000 men against 135,000, God says that's still too many. So it says, but the Lord, verse 4, it says, but the Lord Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups, and to one group put all the ones that cup the water with their hands and lap it up. Uh, with their tongues like dogs, and the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with the mouth with their mouths in the stream. Only three hundred of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the streams. Right? The Lord told Gideon, "With these three hundred men, I will rescue you to give you a victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home." Okay, so things that don't add up. If we're getting there, right? Drinking styles matter, all right? (laughs) Clearly God was picky about the drinking styles. Now we're at 135,000 against 300. So the odds there are 400 to one, or 450 to one, okay? So some say the ones that drank like dogs, right, were used to idol worship. is why they would get down right? Like those ones. The others say that, um, the ones that got like dogs were better, were better in shape. And so they scooped with their hands. So the other ones that were not in good shape, God decided to use. Good news. If we're not in good shape, God will still use us. Amen. Amen. Also, these weren't warriors. They were locals like Gideon. See, God wanted them to know that I'm going to win your battle. He wanted them to hundred percent relying on him. And God is still this way. He wants us to know that there is no way for us to have anything to do with overcoming sin in our own lives. We didn't have the strength, the might, or the power, but He did. No amount of good works got us any closer to God. He did the work. Verse 8, it says So Gideon collected the provisions and the ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home, but kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below. Gideon, right, verse nine, it says, that night the Lord said, get up, do or go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying. I love it, it says, if you are afraid to attack. Of course he's afraid, right? Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy's camp. Classic Gideon, still afraid, sneaking into the enemy's camp, right? Is that where that song came from? I went to the enemy's camp. I don't know. Um, We don't always get to choose our battles, but we get to choose how we respond to them. I'll say that again. We don't always get to choose our battles. Unfortunately, I would love to be able to do that. But we get to choose how we respond to them. Verse 12, it says, The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in their valley like a swarm of locusts. Their king... Their camels were like the grains of the sand on the seashore, too many to count. Verse 13 says, Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over and knocked it flat. So, barley bread, uh, barley was known, or is what the Israelites were known for, right? It was an in- inexpensive bread, and that's why I think it represented Gideon. And so they must have been hearing stories about Gideon. So, Gideon gets three different names, right? By the angel, he's called a mighty warrior. Then, uh, by the townspeople, he's called the challenger of Baal. Now, the enemy is calling him a barley loaf. That's pretty intimidating to be called, right? Verse 14, it says, his companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worshiped before the Lord. Things that don't add up to me, the seventh thing that I see is the enemy is scared. And can I tell you, you would be shocked at what the enemy says about you when you become fearless. Fearless right, when you find out that it was God who wins your battles, when you understand that Jesus eradicated sin, he finished what we could never, and when you realize the enemy is more afraid of you than you are of him, being fearless isn't the absence of fear, but being afraid and still moving forward. I believe that's like a military type thinking, but being fearless isn't the absence of fear, but being afraid and still moving forward. I love what John Wayne says. Everybody knows John Wayne. He said, Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Verse 15, it says, Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. That's got to be a bad word. Uh, He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. All right, so I know that this isn't like a torch, but I kind of wanted to give you a little bit of what a torch would look like, right? It's just, it's all kind of ridiculous. So they had a torch, In one hand, right, a clay jar that it's in a clay jar, okay, and then they had some type of ram's horn, okay? And what I love about this is God loves taking simple things, right, and making up the difference. So the eighth thing I see that doesn't add up is the weapon of choice, right? The weapon of choice. And here's what I'll tell you is you don't bring a horn and a candle to a knife show, okay, You don't, right? Let's see if I can do it. (laughs) It's pretty good. So it says, I'm switching over to translation. It says, watch me, this is verse 17. Watch me, do what I do. When we come to the outskirts of their camp, do what you see me doing. And And when I and my company blow the trumpet, I want all of you to blow the trumpets all around the camp and to shout for the eternal and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the Midianite camp just after the middle to watch what had been posted. There they blew their trumpets and smashed the jars they had brought. And all three companies of the men blew their horns and shattered the jars at about the same time. And they, they held the torches in their left. Let me switch my hands. Held their torches in their left hand and held the trumpets in their right. And together they shouted, a sword for the eternal and for Gideon. This was their war cry, y'all, right? You guys remember, what we do today echoes into eternity, right? They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Or this is Sparta, another 300, right? Then they blew their horns, right? And what I want to show you is Gideon finally got it. He finally realized that it wasn't about his might or about his strength or about anything that he could do. He leaned into his incapabilities. He leaned into the fact that there was nothing that he could do. In fact, Scripture doesn't even talk about him pulling a sword out of any kind. And then after they went down into the camp that now was destroying themselves, they start capturing the different Midianites, right? They start capturing them. Why? Because the Lord was with them. He was with them the whole time. Verse 21, it says, they encircled the entire camp and woke the Midianite force abruptly. So the Midianites cried out and fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the eternal set the Midianites fighting against each other with their swords. The Midianites ran away in panic towards Beth, whatever that word is, towards Zaira and border Abel, Mahorala, and Tabith. Those are some crazy names, right? The Midianites ran away in panic. Gideon didn't even have to do anything, right? For years, for years, I carried on my shoulders, right, that I have to preach the gospel to every creature. I have to pray without ceasing, I have to keep myself unspotted from the world, right? I have to be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. I gotta be in the perfect will of God. I have to study to show myself a proof, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I have to resist the devil and I know that he'll flee from me. Then I would go through Ephesians 6 saying, I have to put on the helmet of salvation, right? The breastplate of righteousness, uh, the girdle of truth, that my feet were shod with the preparation of the gospel, that I had the sword of the spirit, I had the shield of faith, right? And I, I never forget when I got a hold of Ephesians 6:13 that goes into 14, and it says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And what I want to show you is that's all Gideon did. He's just standing. He's just standing, Right? Yeah, but he blew a horn and man, he held that candle. That's ridiculous. How do you win a battle of that many people and, and that's all you do? And if I can do anything for you today, right? I wanna show you that Gideon and the 300 were just normal like you and me. God plus anyone equals a victory. Don't look at your incapabilities as incapabilities, but as opportunities for God to show up and make a difference. Peace reigned over Israel once again. I would say the final lesson that we can see throughout the story is that God asked Gideon to do some things that made absolutely no sense. Asking a weak and scared farmer to lead an army, that doesn't add up. Telling the farmer that he has too many men to win a battle, that doesn't add up. Instructing Gideon to trim down the army by drinking, by their drinking style, does not add up. Using a dream of a loaf of barley to encourage Gideon, that doesn't add up. Instructing Gideon to use lamps and trumpets to defeat the enemy, that doesn't add up. God's plan often doesn't make sense to our natural human logic. God's plan of redemption doesn't make sense. Sending one man, Jesus, to save the whole world does not add up. One man as a ransom for many one man to take the sins of the whole world. It doesn't add up, y'all. Let me pray over us and we'll dismiss. Father, we thank you, God, that whatever we're facing, whatever standing in front of us, whatever incapabilities we feel like we have, God, I speak life to those situations, God. I, I declare, God, that you can speak and bring life and light into their dark place. We can't do this thing on our own. We can't live the Christian life on our own, God. The Christian life is impossible, but God, with you, all things are possible. I thank you, God, whatever we're facing, whatever thing we're dealing with, God, that you help us through it. You help us to look at the life of Gideon and see, man, God, you're gonna do something different. You're gonna do something amazing, God. And you're gonna give us peace right where we're at. Whatever we're dealing with, I thank you, God, that peace overshadows us and overwhelms us in a new way. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.